welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Good morning, everyone. This morning's reading is short and sweet. It's Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. The narrow and wide gates. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. May the Lord bless this to us as Ben brings us his word. Thanks, Miranda. Good morning, everyone. Morning. It's great to see you. Great to be back with you guys again this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben. I am one of the youth pastors here at Cary. Uh, it's my job on Friday nights to uh, try and contain a whole bunch of teenagers and to uh, try and tell them something about God and hopefully see God move in their lives. And it's a, it's a fantastic job that I get to have. And uh, we, you've probably heard about it enough times by now, but this is my first chance to actually see you guys about it. We ran a huge event called Catalyst a few weeks ago. And those of you who helped out, I just want to say thank you, uh, because uh, a lot of you haven't been on the scene since. But that event just went off. It was incredible. Uh, I'm sure you've heard. It's now up to 53 Decisions for Christ that night, which was great. And uh, for the 83 of you that actually came and helped out, thank you. I could not have run it without you guys. So uh, huge thanks for that. Hey, uh, this morning uh, we've just got that short verse, just two verses there to, to bring a whole sermon out of. And uh, I looked at Dave and said, thanks, because, you know, normally if you get a passage like 15 to 20 verses, you can just spend the whole sermon time just unpacking those verses. If you've got two, I could unpack them and we'll be done in five minutes. And I'm like, ah, now I actually have to come up with something for 20 minutes. This is like foreign territory for me. And uh, so I thought, you know what? I like marshmallows. Uh, I'm not allowed to eat them at the moment, but I still like marshmallows. Has anyone heard of the Stanford Marshmallow Test? The Stanford Marshmallow Test was a test devised at Stanford University in the 60s. It's been repeated many times since. But the general idea of the Stanford Marshmallow Test is a a test on your self-control and if you want instant gratification versus delayed gratification. What they do is they take a bunch of kids, you have to sit them down at a table, and you put a plate on the table and you say, here is a marshmallow. You have two choices. You can eat the marshmallow now and enjoy it, or if you wait until I come back, if you have not eaten it when I come back, you can have two marshmallows. I've got a video. It's been done so many times, there's even banks have started using it in their ads. Let's watch an ad from a bank about kids not trying to eat marshmallows. This is the marshmallow test. You can eat your marshmallow right away if you want, but if you wait for three minutes, I'll come back and give you another. Eat now or wait and get more. Two marshmallows. 
Man, the look on those kids' face, oh, the agony. There's a marshmallow right there, and it's only three minutes. In the original Stanford test, they had to wait 20 minutes. Oh, man, can you imagine how well that went? Uh, and they, they grew all sorts of weird conclusions about people's psyche and their abilities. I don't care about those right now. I just care about marshmallows at the moment. Uh, but as you can see, they use this idea of marshmallows to go, oh, are you the kind of person who just takes your money and spends it, or are you the kind of person that saves it all up for a later day and uh, gets some reward at the end? And uh, I just wanted to share that video with you because it gets us in the mindset of thinking about choices that we have to make uh, that have a long-term consequence. And, and the choices that we make, we can either um, choose something that uh, affects us right now and we can maybe enjoy something now, or maybe we have to wait till later and enjoy something later on. And, and marshmallows, I mean, they're trivial. As such a trivial thing. And what we're going to talk about today is a choice that Jesus puts in front of us that will actually have eternal uh, consequences for us. So we're, we're sitting here, we're still in our Sermon on the Mount series. We've called it An Extraordinary Life because in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus just outlines this incredible way to live. And uh, if, you, if we were actually able to live this out to the full, man, what an extraordinary life we could live. And so at this point of the sermon, at chapter 7, verse 13, he's had this whole bunch of content with two and a half chapters, and he starts heading down to the conclusions. This is the part where the keys would have come out at the rock, uh, Peter would have been up there with his guitar, just noodling away in the background, and Jesus starts laying down the conclusions and the applications for the people listening. Uh, we, we've been going through this series uh, as a church for a few weeks now, and we've heard a lot of stuff. We've heard a lot of stuff about the Beatitudes and different attitudes of ways we can be thinking about God in our life. We've even heard uh, stories about taking a log out of our eye and actually just coming alongside people and realizing we are all broken and we all have a place to live uh, in this kingdom of God and that we don't have like a hierarchy of how good we are, whether we have a speck or a log, all sorts of things we've gone through. And now we're going to look at Jesus starts saying, okay, with all that in mind, here's the rub. Here's what's going to have to happen. And Jesus presents us with a choice that relates to us living in God's kingdom. He get, and, and the choice, it's a bit uncomfortable because it's got a bit of an absolute nature to it. It's an either-or choice. You can't have a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. It's, it's an either-or choice. You, you can't just like pick some bits. And, and that makes us a bit uncomfortable because a lot of us, you know, we want to give people choices that suit their individuality, uh, suit people where they're at. Uh, maybe they're not quite ready for the choice. Maybe, maybe we don't want to uh, impose things on people. Uh, it'd be more comfortable if we could give people a range of options in the choice. Maybe that would be nicer. But Jesus cuts through all that and he says, no, here's the choice. It's black and white. And that cuts through this idea because he's going to start talking about the ways that we get to God into God's kingdom. And if this, com- if this choice was not black and white, that would leave us open to start maybe thinking about, are there multiple ways to get to God? Are there many ways to get to heaven? And Jesus clearly says here, no, there is one way to get to God. And that is through Jesus Christ himself. And so he insists there's ultimately just one choice for us with just two possibilities to choose from. And as Miranda read out, he talks about uh, two ways, two gates, two destinations, and two crowds. Uh, If you try to preach and do alliteration today, I'm alliterating with numbers. Two ways, two gates, two destinations, and two crowds. There are two ways that Jesus describes here. And uh, he's not the first person to say there's two ways to live. Uh, it's littered throughout the Bible. If you go back to Psalm 1, the psalmist there talks about contrasting the way of the righteous man and the way of the wicked man. And the way of the righteous man was the person who delighted in God's law and they bore fruit and they prospered in life. But the way of the wicked man was someone who ignored God and they were just driven away like chaff from wheat uh, and they were just blown away and destroyed in the wind. But Jesus, he gives us a choice of two ways. One way is wide, it's broad. It's easy, it's very spacious, very roomy. It's just like a big, wide, open plain that we can just walk down. 
plenty of room for our diversity of opinions, a diversity of options, uh, plenty of room for us to have a lot of tolerance and permissiveness in that, in that road. Uh, there's no curbs, no boundaries. Uh, that road is just real easy. You could just get on it and just drive on down. Uh, and people on this road, they're going to follow their own inclinations. They're going to follow the desires of our fallen human hearts. We're going to be finding on that road a lot of superficiality, a lot of pride, a lot of self-love, a lot of not following God. And the other way is a bit more narrow. Jesus said the first one was wide. This one is more narrow. And perhaps it might be a bit of a harder path to walk. And is it hard because God wants to make us being Christians difficult? I don't think so. I don't think that's why it sounds hard. But unlike the wide path, here the boundaries are set clearly. There are curbs, there are guidelines, there are ways to make this path a lot narrower than the other one. And the path is narrow and bounded, not because God's trying to make it hard for us, but because we actually see God's revealed truth and His goodness in His Word. And because He has given us this divine revelation, we now know what is true and what is good. And if we know what is true, that kind of limits us in the things that we should be believing. We can't just like have these all sorts of weird beliefs all over the place. God has stated clearly what it is we should believe about Him in His Word. And His goodness shows us what is right. We can't just go around going, I think this is right. I think this is good. God has said, no, this is what is good. This stuff here live within these boundaries. And and those boundaries are not there to hinder us. They're not there to stop us having fun. They're not there to make us have a horrible time walking this narrow path. It's actually there to free us because when we live inside those boundaries, it is so freeing and we can actually get rid of a lot of the, the hardness that comes along that we actually discover when we're on that wide road. And so in the sense that it's hard, it's just limits on what we're believing and what we're doing. Yet at the same time, Jesus says later on in Matthew 11, we're in 7 here, but later on in 11, he says, you know what, Um, if you walk this narrow road, you're going to find that my burden is easy, my yoke is light, it's actually something that you can achieve, something that you can do. So there's two ways, the wide way and the narrow way, one that has a lot of rules and one that doesn't have many rules. It almost seems contradictory doing it this way, but the narrow path has a lot of boundaries. Two ways. There's two gates, two gates that lead us into these two different ways. And those two gates are also wide and narrow. And uh, the gate that is wide leads to the wide road, and it's really easy to get through. In fact, there's no security guards there checking your baggage. It's not like you go to the airport and you have to open your bag and take out your laptops and then take out all your rings and all your keys out of your pockets and put them through a scanner. Now you can just walk straight through. They don't care. You can just walk straight through this gate. There is no limit on the baggage you can take. You don't have to count that it's under 20 kilos if you're on the budget airline. and uh, You can just take everything with you. And what do I mean by baggage? You can just take with you everything that is holding you back. You can take through with you uh, your sins, your brokenness, your self-righteousness, your idols, your pride, and you don't have to deal with any of it. You can walk straight through that gate and take it with you. And all that stuff uh, can just travel with you through life. It can impact the way you think, impact the way you walk. There's no need for you to bother about changing your heart. No need to worry about renewing your mind, any of that stuff. Just walk through the gate, bring everything with you, drag it along. It's all good. But when you walk through the narrow gate onto the narrow way, Jesus calls us to leave our old self behind. It is so narrow, you can't bring all that baggage with you. Jesus actually calls us, oh, you know what? You have to deal with your sin. You're going to have to deal with that. You have to face up to what's going on in your life. You're going to have to deal with your, your selfish ambitions you're going to have to deal with uh, the stuff that's in your life that's not godly. You're going to have to deal with all that pride that's welling up, all the idols, the things that you put in, in your life before God, all your insecurities, all that sort of stuff. God's going to make you actually deal with that and face that if you walk through this narrow gate. 
Jesus said, if anyone's going to follow me, and, and just heads up, spoiler alert, Jesus is through that narrow gate. If anyone's going to follow me, they must deny themselves, leave their old self behind, take up their cross and follow him. And I don't think we can truly follow Jesus unless we're willing to face up and deal with this stuff in our life. I mean, we're not going to all face it right at the gate of the ticket exchange there, but, you know, it's something that we're going to be doing as we walk through this life. Something we have to deal with. Also, the narrow gate is only wide enough for one person at a time to get through. I, I sort of picture it like a turnstile at, at, a, at a railway station or something where you have to go through and you've got a ticket, you've scanned it on the machine and then you get to go through that little turnstile. Um, you can't go through on someone else's ticket, can you? Because once they've scanned theirs, they're gone. There's only enough space for one person. In the same way, you can't go through that gate on someone else's faith. You have to uh, deal with your own faith, work that out for yourself, and uh, meet with God and have a real connection with God to get through that gate on your own. You have to follow God of your own will. You have to deal with your own sin. I can't be sitting here and go, you know what, Pastor Dave, you've got this all sorted out. I'm just going to stand on your coattails and slide in behind you. I, I can't do that. I've got to go and talk to God on my own and deal with that. So where are we going to find this narrow gate? Because you know what? The broad gate, it's easy to find. It's really easy and it's just there. We can just walk through it. But the narrow gate, you actually have to look for. A narrow gate is kind of almost hidden away. But it's not like hidden that we can't find it, but it's hidden because we have to look for it. And that hidden gate is Jesus himself. Jesus says, I am the doorway. I am the way to God. If you believe in me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want access to God's kingdom, you have to come through me. And so unlike the huge wide gate, we have to go seek out that narrow gate. You still with me? We've got two huge ways, a huge way, a narrow way. We've got a huge gate, a narrow gate. One leads to this way without rules. One leads to a way that has some boundaries in place that we've heard from God and we see what's going on. Jesus then also says in this passage, there's two destinations, two destinations at the end of these ways. And that was foreshadowed in that Psalm 1 passage that I mentioned earlier, uh, where he said the righteous person was prospering, but the wicked person ended up perishing. Jesus says here that wide path, even though it looks easy, it actually leads to destruction. And he doesn't really expand here what he means. And so we can rightly assume perhaps that uh, he's talking about hell. Or maybe he's even talking about in our life, if we don't deal with all that baggage, we're going to be ending up hurting people around us, hurting ourselves, and we're going to be destroying our relationships, destroying our own lives. Maybe it's both. I'm not sure. But uh, Jesus says that wide path, that wide gate is only going to lead to destruction. But the narrow path and the narrow gate, they will lead to life. They are the way to get into God's kingdom. And Jesus explains this as a life in fellowship with God, which we start now and then gets perfected in eternity. Now, please don't hear me talking about all this going, uh, you know what, you're just talking about a works-based faith, faith, a faith that is like you have to do like works to get in. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a faith that is worked out. Uh, you come to God, you become a Christian, you believe in Him, yeah, that's true. But then once you're on that path and on that journey, yeah, we've got to start working this out. Jesus is going to start working on us because He wants us to become more holy, to become more like God, to be sanctified and redeemed and, and brought into this place where we are actually living as the creatures God has created us to be. Two ways, two paths, two gates. I'm getting myself confused. Two ways, two gates, two destinations and two crowds. Jesus also describes that on both paths, there's two different types of people. In fact, on the wide path, there are many people on that path. Lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, many people heading to destruction, which is actually quite sad. But it's the nature of popularity. Like It's the easy path. If everyone else is doing it, I'm just going to jump on board. And, and if everyone else is doing it, and I'm jumping on board, and it's easy to do, it's going to be so much easier for me to be on this wide path, I think. 
But then you compare that when Jesus says the narrow path only has a few people on it and only a few people find it. It's going to be kind of hard to just jump on that path because, you know, people on the wide path are going to laugh at you. People on the wide path might persecute you. They might make fun of you. They might actually attack you. They might say, you're an idiot for going on that path. What are you doing? Uh, Come on, come over here where like everyone else is, like, you know, normal people. Uh, the two crowds actually almost represent that experience we're going to have. There are so many people walking on that wide path that think they've got it right. But we're all wanting to walk in this narrow path to God and there's just so few people around us. It just seems like there's so few people that actually do believe in this world that we're going to feel like we're on a narrow path with so few friends around us. So when you're on that narrow path, gather around your friends. That's why we do church. That's why we bring ourselves together as a community so that we can be together and walk on this journey together and helping each other along this way. Two ways, two gates, two destinations, and two crowds. We all have a choice in which way we're going to go, that wide path or the narrow path. And every person gets this choice to decide which way they're going to go, but at the same time decide, are they going to be living for God or without God in their lives? And to say this issue is quite black and white, it's really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. Because we're so used to everything being on a spectrum, allowing gray into the issue. Uh, It's just so foreign to us especially to go this is an uh, uh, either either choice why isn't there like a spot in the middle where you can make that a bit easier Uh, you know but Jesus is really committed on this whole binary nature of the choice I mean we like to be uncommitted though don't we I mean have you ever tried to set up a Facebook event and get a whole bunch of people to come Uh, I've heard it said from many other people and experienced it myself if I invite a hundred people to come to a Facebook event uh, and then a hundred people say they're going I would probably expect maybe 25 of them to rock up And Facebook knows this now. You might see they've now got the interested button, which means, you know, I don't want to say, no, I'm not going to the event, or maybe I'm going to the event, but, you know, I've seen it, I like it, maybe, eh, I'm interested. Um, You know, and so when I set up an event for 100 people now, I might get like seven people going and like 50 saying interested and then another 40 that just don't care. We are so uncommitted. We don't want to say um, before, maybe a minute before we're going that we want to go. It's just in the nature of what we're like these days. It's, it's crazy. Or opinion polls. If you watch the news uh, or any of those media programs that have opinion polls going, if it's a yes, no question, they don't just tell you yes and no. They also tell you don't know. Like we, we've given ourselves so much convenience to not have to commit to an answer. And the gray area is just so much around us. But Jesus says, no, no room for gray here. You have to choose one gate or the other, one path or the other. You have to make that choice. You cannot escape it. And the problem that we've got is if you choose, I don't want to make the choice, you're automatically making a choice because you're going to be ending up on that wide path anyway. If we want to be part of God's kingdom, we have to choose Jesus' narrow path. We have to choose that narrow path. And it's not up to us to try and make that path uh, easier for ourselves or for others. If we want to invite other people onto this path, it's not up to us to try and make it easier or to let down some of the boundaries on it. Uh, that's not what Jesus wants us to do. He doesn't set up this formula of uh, get people onto the path and reap the harvest by telling them that the path is wider than it actually is. Uh, That would be a problem, wouldn't it? Because if we're telling people the path is wider than it actually is, they're going to get on the path and they go, this is a bit hard, narrow, I can't quite do this. You promise something else. That's going to be a bit uh, not fair for those people trying to come to know Jesus if we promise it a different way. Eugene Peterson, uh, in his message translation, puts these verses in a way that sort of sums that up really nicely for us. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. 
Walking that narrow path is not something you can just do as a side part of your life. It's not, you know, following God and living in His kingdom is not something you can do in your spare time, like Peterson said. It's something that's going to take over absolutely every part of your life, every moment of your day, living every part of your life for God. And this is all good to know. It's great to know. Ben, you've given us some great theory this morning. Cool, let's pray and go home. Um, But what does that actually look like for us living that out? What does that look like for us? I mean, we can have all this theory ready in our minds and know it, but, but let's get a bit real. On a superficial level, if we're really honest, if I was faced with a choice of a, a wider, easy path and a narrow path, I want to pick the easy path. I love the easy option. The easy option is heaps good. When Nick and I plan events for youth, and if I see two options and one's really easy, but it won't be like all that quite amazing, and the other one's hard and is going to be absolutely spectacular, Nick's straight on the way going, spectacular option. Yes, it's hard, but do it. And I'm like, yeah, easy option. I've only got a few volunteers. I can't get the spectacular one. I love the easy option. But do you see the difference there? If I went for the harder option, we're going to get something spectacular and then all sorts of cool things happening in our youth ministry. That was a bit of a side thing. But, you know, that, that easy path is much more attractive to us. And it would be nice if maybe that narrow path was a bit wider. And that wider path, it looks like fun. It looks like people are having a good time on it. It looks a bit easier. Maybe I could just slide all over to that path, maybe. There's already a lot of people there. I'm a bit lonely over here on the narrow path. Or if we look at the perspective of wanting to get more people with us on that path, uh, if we make those requirements a bit less stringent, like I was saying before, maybe we could get more people with us, maybe a bit less lonely. And when you start to explore that kind of thinking and think that all the way through to the end, that flies right in the face of what Jesus is saying here. It flies right in the face of it. Jesus actually requires us to actually let go of all our sin and all our baggage that is holding us back. And if we make that path a lot wider and, and less, uh, with less requirements on it, we're actually not going to be working out our faith, are we? We're not actually going to be dealing with the stuff God is trying to work on in our lives. So we might as well be on the other path. Following Jesus actually means focusing our minds and ourselves onto God and listening for His voice in our lives. Therefore, if that's what it means for us to be living a life for Jesus, following that narrow path, actually dealing with all this baggage our own faith building in ourselves, our own discipleship, being discipled by others is therefore really, really important. Very important. We had a prayer day this week as a church staff. Uh, we actually took a whole day out of the week. We just said, Thursday, no work's going to happen. Uh, and we went away from this place. We went out to somewhere else. And we, we just spent the day together as a team, but in silence, all praying to God and just spending a time retreating with God and, and letting Him speak to us. And uh, I, was, I went there, and oh man, when I try and stop and retreat like that, my mind is just still so busy. Like, there's so much going on at all times in my life. And I'm sure you feel the same way too. And I was sitting there, and I just could not get myself settled. And I uh, spent about half an hour, there was a dog there, and, and she just wanted to keep bringing the ball to me and throw the ball and bring the ball back, throw the ball, bring the ball back. And she went on this, I went for about 40 minutes just throwing this ball. But that helped me stop and center my mind for some reason. And I stopped and I actually started talking to God and I said, okay, God, I want to actually talk to you today. I want to hear from you. But then all that my mind was doing was going back to the last 18 months of my journey with God has been a lot about dealing with my baggage. And I'm nowhere near finished on that. But I have been dealing with insecurities that pop up, with idols, things that I've found that I've been putting before God, dealing with um, the sin that's been in my life. And just God has been working on me so much. And even in this last two weeks, I went into Dave's office, Pastor Dave, and said, Dave, I have this issue I want to complain about. I just think that's a functional issue that needs sorting out. And he said, no, Ben, this is a hard issue. This is your insecurity and idol you need to work out. And that sucked to hear. 
But uh, I hated him for about five minutes. And then I went, went away and I, I dealt with it. And uh, I've been spending a couple of weeks talking to God and working that one out, talking with my mentors about it. And, and just trying to find, okay, what God are you saying to me in this moment? This issue has happened and triggered an insecurity in me. What am I going to do to deal with this? And so this stuff's been happening for me over this last month. And I'm now at this prayer day. And I'm just walking around going, God, I just can't stop thinking about this stuff. Um, I mean, I want to talk about other stuff with you, God. I want to talk about my youth ministry. I want to talk about our church. I want to talk about my marriage. Let's just talk, God. And he's, I just couldn't get away from this idea of God still working on me. So I walked around. There was this creek and this stream where we were. And it had lots of little mini waterfalls and then periods of like slow-moving water. And I, I sat down at one of the mini waterfalls and it was just sort of clay, uh, clay sort of ground around. I sat down and I just felt like a little kid again. I just started picking up chunks of clay, throwing it in the water. And every time I picked up a chunk of clay and threw it in the water, the clay just instantly disintegrated into a cloud of dust and then the stream just carried it away. And the clay just disappeared. I'm like, oh, this is fun. So I just picked up more and more chunks, ditched them in the water, bigger and bigger chunks throwing them in because that's fun. I just want to tell you, as a kid, as a boy, that's just heaps of fun. If you're a girl and you're going, what the heck? I'm sorry. I'm sorry this doesn't relate to you. Maybe another illustration will. But I started throwing bigger and bigger chunks into the stream until I threw one chunk in. The cloud happened. It went away. And there was a rock left in the middle of it. There was a rock that had been covered in clay that as I threw it in, the clay disintegrated into dust, disappeared, and it left a rock. And God said to me, Ben, this is what I'm doing to you at the moment. I am washing away all this extra baggage that you've got. And I'm hoping to get you to the point where you are as clean as that rock. And then I can actually use you the way that I want to use you, that you would be the person I've made you to be. And I was like, ah, there's all this stuff that hurts as I'm walking down this hard path and, and learning what it means to get rid of these idols and insecurities and stuff. God's actually using that for a purpose. So I bent down and I fished that rock out and uh, got a little wet as I did, but got that rock out. I'm like, this is my souvenir rock. That's great. And uh, I went down a little further stream to a a more clearer, glassy area of the water. And uh, God said, throw the rock in there. And I went, no, God, I just fished that out. It's my souvenir. And he said, okay, there's another rock on the ground. Throw that in. Uh, So I bent down and picked up the other rock because I took that other rock home. It's now sitting on my shelf to remind me of this day. Picked the other rock up, threw it in. And you might see where this is going, but, but as I threw the rock in, uh, ripples came out from where the rock entered the water. And after the ripples went away, the, the, where the rock went in was just still again, but the ripples kept going. And they touched both sides of the banks of the creek. They went up around the corner that I couldn't see anymore. And God said, when I've finished with you, I'm going to throw you back into the stream. And then I'm going to use you so much that you're not even going to see the effects. And, and that, I mean, I'm sharing with you something personal God said to me this week, but I'm trying to show you when we actually stop and start working on this stuff and let God speak into our lives, we can have these amazing or changing moments that actually help us see God is working on us and helping to shape us into the people he wants us to be and the effect that we can have in this world working for him. You don't have to be a pastor to be having an effect on the world either. You can be doing it in any part of your life. God wants us to start letting go of that baggage that we can't fit through that gate at the the narrow door. He wants to start working on that in us, all of us. And our spiritual transformation is a part of walking down that narrow path and getting rid of that baggage as we go. Our own discipleship is key if we're going to follow that path and continue to stay on it. Don't think you can just cruise through life and and go, yeah, I've made it through that gate. I've, I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm good. No, God's going to start proking you and prodding you. We need to be intentionally discipled. So if you are not in a small group or in a mentor relationship or in a peer group or some kind of discipleship community where you can actually thrash out these ideas, I encourage you to get into one. I really encourage you to get into one. And the other thing that you really need to do is pray. And prayer in a conversational two-way street kind of thing. If we're just talking to God and we don't stop and listen, we're going to get kind of awkward there. 
uh, if we're just saying stuff to God and not listening to what He's saying to us, what was the point really, was it? We're not going to be hearing what God is trying to say to us. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't even listening last night. I handed this sermon to Shelby, my wife, to, to read through and just give me some ideas of what she thought about it. And uh, while she did that, I picked up my phone and started just doing other things on my phone. And then she started telling me all the ideas that she had and like, what I could add or maybe things I could take out. And uh, then I realized after about two minutes of this, I hadn't listened to a word she said. And I went, Shelby, I'm so sorry. And I put the phone down. I went, I have not listened to a thing you said. Can you start again? And she laughed at me because she was writing this bit about listening as she was saying that. It's so easy for us to get distracted. And uh, as I was doing this, I was reading a book called Transforming Habits by Stephen Robbins. And uh, in there, he's, he's talking about this need we have to walk the narrow path with Jesus and to not just walk it trying to make our own way, but to walk it with Jesus beside us, walking with us and talking to us. And in his book, Robin suggests this prayer model that we could use uh, to start stopping and hearing from God. He calls it the prayer walk. You will come over many prayer models as you go through this journey. Uh, You'll hear about the Acts model. You'll hear about the Lord's Prayer and how we can use that as a model for prayer. This is not a definitive model for prayer, but it's just one that that he uses. And uh, I was using that on that day on Thursday and uh, ended up hearing about the rock. And I want to share it with you today. It's one way you can approach prayer. He calls it the prayer walk because it's an acronym. And he says it like this. I've got some slides for you to follow along. There we go. If you want to take notes, that's fine. If you want to, that would be good. He starts it by saying, W, wait on God. Wait on God. So we need to quiet our spirits. We need to center ourselves and focus on God. Leave, just leave that noisy stuff behind for a moment. It might take you 40 minutes of throwing a ball with a dog to just get your mind to stop thinking about other things. If you need to, you can just get a notebook out and, and if stuff pops in your mind, just write it down. You can deal with it later. But just get those, that noise aside for a second, the essay that's due on Monday, the, the uh, stuff that you have to go do later on today, the, the shopping list that's growing, anything that's preoccupying your mind, put it to the side for a moment. And you can pick it up again later. But right now, we just want to be intentional in this moment with you and God. Wait on God. And that's once you've got yourself settled you can, and you're talking to God, then you can, A, attend to some kingdom matters. Attend to the stuff that's uh, both important to you and, and important to God. So stuff that's on your heart, stuff that's on God's heart. Start bringing that to the table and, and start praying over that. And uh, saying, God, this is the issues that I'm concerned with. This is the stuff I believe you're concerned with. Um, let's talk about this, God. And the third step is really key. It's listen. Just listen to God. Actually listen. Put the phone down, the, the metaphorical phone, as it were. Don't just get to the part where you speak and then, and then just walk off and go, okay, God, we're done. Stop and listen. Actually put yourself in a position where you could listen. Stop talking. Let him do the talking. And you might actually hear him in different ways. If you've never heard from God before, I hear him in all sorts of ways. Thursday, I heard him through a rock. Uh, other times I've been driving and he said something to me about the person on the side of the road that I needed to go and do for them. Uh, other times he's had like a whole bunch of people all say the same thing to me in the same words. And I'm like, okay, God, I think this is you saying this to me. You can hear God in all sorts of ways. He might just drop a song into your heart. He might drop a thought into your mind. And then once you've listened to God, and you've had that conversation, the last one is K, keep up the good work. Keep your mind focused on God and keep that kingdom mindset going in an attitude of prayer as you go through the day. Don't just leave um, your relationship with God in that little time. Uh, spend time actually as you leave that time of prayer, actually still focused on God. Let that impact everything you do. So as you're walking down the road and you see someone, you can hear God speaking to you about them. Or if, if you're um, just 
operating at work and, and something goes wrong, maybe instead of like attacking the, the problem, maybe you can just let God's grace flow through you into that problem. Or when you're driving and that loser cuts you off at the lights and you just really, really want to run up the back of them and just try and, do, I don't know. Let God's grace flow through. Let your attitudes change because you have God's mind on you. I mean, if the only time I was prayerfully aware of God was just the small time that I spend praying each day, that would not be enough. Not be enough at all. We can be prayerfully aware of His presence with us at all points of the day. I would love if we could take a prayer walk right now, but we don't have the time. So let's maybe take a prayer stroll. I reckon it would be cool if we could maybe spend some time together just listening for God. I mean, if we are serious about walking on this narrow path, if you're already on that path and you just want to start hearing from God more, this would be a great time to stop and say that to Him. If you've never started on this path and you're interested in it, this is a great chance to say, God, I'm interested to see where your path could lead. I'm interested in, in actually opening that door, walking through that gate and getting onto this path to live in your kingdom. And so what I would love right now is if everyone would close their eyes and just take a moment to just stop and center themselves. And I'm just going to give you a few minutes to just pray and, and say to God, this is what's on my heart right now. And I'm let's stop and listen. It's only going to be a short moment because uh, we don't have the time, unfortunately. I've got to go preach this at Forestdale too. But we're going to stop and we're just going to listen to God for a few minutes. And Jet's going to play just so it's not awkward. But let's spend some time centering ourselves, talking to God and listening to Him right now. Father God, I want to thank you for the things you are saying to people here this morning. 
God, thank you that when we stop and we actually turn to you and we want to listen, you have things to say and you are speaking. God, I pray for every person here this morning that as we try and struggle down this narrow path, uh, that you have given us the ability to walk through it by walking next to us, by helping us on this way, by talking to us and, and encouraging us on this journey. God, I pray for strength as we walk down this path. I pray for encouragement as we walk down this path. And God, I want to pray for people who are still looking for the path. Uh, God, that you would lead them to it. Help them to find that door. Help them to find that gate that is you. God, may we see people learning to follow this path in a way that is not whimsical, but God, in a way that is intentional about living in your kingdom now and forevermore. If God was speaking to you this morning and he actually said something to you now, that is awesome. If he didn't, don't worry about it. That's okay. You can spend time doing this prayer walk on your own. But if God did say something to you right now, don't let it stay in this room. I would actually encourage you to find a trusted friend or a trusted spouse or a mentor and uh, just unpack that with them and say, hey, God said this to me today. And uh, don't feel stupid. I felt stupid about sharing the rock story, but, you know, God still spoke to me through it and it said something important for my life and he said something important for yours too. So if he's revealed something to you, don't leave it here. Also, if you want a copy of that prayer walk, I've left some of these on the morning tea table. Just gives you those four points again. But I just want to encourage you guys, this walk, this narrow path, it is a little bit hard, yes, but it's not hard because it's God's trying to make it difficult for you. It's hard because it's lonely, because it's narrow, because it has those boundaries. And just trying to stick on that path is one of the difficult things. But God is there encouraging us along the way. And He's calling us to walk it with intentionality. Let's sing this song together. He's going to continue singing, Nothing But The Blood Of Jesus. Oh man, that's an awesome song. Thanks for picking that, Jet. That the only way we can get through that door is because of the blood of Jesus. That's incredible, isn't it? Why don't we stand together and we're going to sing nothing but the blood.